we can hear it. There's a certain beauty and elegance in this music. But there's also something less easy to define. A sense of longing, perhaps? That's something we know. Something we may have learned to live with during these long, drawn-out pandemic days. Longing for friends and for family, for a return simply to the rough-and-tumble times we once took for granted. And as we listen, a longing of sorts might stir within us. Again, maybe we can't describe it, but we can feel it. And maybe that's why we love music like this. And now, members of the Northeastern Pennsylvania Philharmonic must think they are dreaming, as little Clara is in this music from Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker Ballet. What they have been longing so much for all these months will finally take place. They will be able to perform orchestral music live and in person with their colleagues before an audience for the first time since the pandemic struck. And they'll be playing music of another composer who knew something about longing and melancholy. They've been invited by Ballet Theater of Scranton under the direction of Joanne Arduino to collaborate in a production of the Ballet Les Sylphides with music by Chopin out in the beauty of Covington Park just outside Scranton. So we'll begin our conversation with Nancy Sanderson, executive director of the Northeastern Pennsylvania Philharmonic, speaking about longing. And we'll close the conversation with Melis Brunet, music director and conductor of the orchestra, expressing the deep sense of our longing to come together to celebrate beauty and community with Chopin. The first time the Northeastern Pennsylvania Philharmonic musicians performed live and in person since last year was just last week in Wilkes-Barre with a chamber music setting and three players. What was so unanticipated was that uh, so many people attended and everyone was so happy to see and hear live music. Remind us, you had to put on the brakes. Right. In 2020, we gave our March 4th concert, which was so great. It was the Aretha Franklin tribute, and, and people were dancing in the aisles. It was just such an upbeat performance, and it was Melise's first performance as the music director, 
And so, I mean, we were all on this wonderful high. And then we got the wind knocked out of us when they announced that we were in full pandemic. And from that point on, we hadn't had a live performance until last week. And so Pascal Archer, who is our principal clarinetist, and Melise and I became a tag team together. And I wrote the grants to get our musicians work. And Melise and Pascal took care of the vision of these videos. And we did chamber music videos, we did solo videos, we did all sorts of things, including videos of demonstrations of instruments of the orchestra that our musicians did and are available to all elementary music teachers in Luzerne and Lackawanna County. Did you know all about Zooming and all of the (laughs) computer skills necessary to do what you did? Well, I was lucky that I teach at university, so and we have snow days. Uh, so during snow days, I would always use Zoom. And uh, so I knew how to use it, you know, but uh, other skills I didn't know. Like, for example, to create those videos, we have been using Adobe Premiere Pro, the software. So I had to learn it. It's quite complicated. And uh, other writing, like Sibelius, to write music, arrange music for our uh, Tchaikovsky Nutcracker arrangements I did for the videos. So all of that, it's been uh, keeping us uh, busy. And we had interviews as well to video record interviews with some of the musicians yeah, that we publish very often. But it's, it's been great to discover those skills because I think they're very important to know in 2021. It is true. And one thing that we discovered from doing this is that it's here to stay. The YouTube project has become a way to really get the word out about our orchestra. I'm sure, Erica, you're aware that we did videos with the Ballet Theater of Scranton when they performed the Nutcracker, and our musicians were playing as they danced. And one of the dances was chocolate from the Nutcracker, and we got 12,000 views. What is amazing is that when the pandemic started, for each video we would post, we had about 50 to 100 views almost no presence on social media and no YouTube channel that was working. And uh, as soon as we started really taking care of that, we have had an average of seven to 8,000 views for each published videos, which has brought, I think, a lot to the community. And we have great partners like Discover Discover. and EPA that have been always publishing our videos. And that really helps reaching out to the community and bringing some music to the community. And also, it was nice because now they know some musicians because we interview them and then they give pictures of their childhood and what they like to do. And you see them very close playing their instrument. And it makes the entire thing way more human and more in connection with the people, I think. Yeah, it's so cute in some of the instrument demonstrations. Uh, Our musicians had their dogs (laughs) in the video. And Pascal, of course, every time he's on Zoom, his cat is walking all over him. So that's about as human as it gets. Yeah. (laughs) Melis, what about the players themselves? It must have been a rugged time for all of you. uh, It still is. It's a very difficult time now for our musicians because uh, many of them still don't have jobs, most of them, you know, and uh, that's dramatic. That's not just worrying. I think it's really dramatic. 
I mean, Nancy has been applying to so many grants. She's working so hard on a daily basis to figure out solutions. And that's a huge budget to, you know, to help our musicians and at a time where we cannot perform safely. And uh, I hope that, um, you know, we can pursue that work and find opportunities for everybody and more opportunities because I think it's really important we get back to it, we get back to playing and we get back to give jobs to our musicians. That's right. That's right. You know, some orchestras with much bigger budgets than ours have been able to pay partial salaries to musicians if they're full-time. But ours is a smaller orchestra, and it's a regional orchestra, and so we don't have the funds available to do so. So it's not as though we've made enough money in grant writing to fill their wages the way they would have if we had had a full concert season. But my hope is that it's been enough that they know that we really are concerned about them and we're we're just so concerned about their life and and also you know you you know that some orchestras with bigger budgets have been able to offer opportunities but also big orchestras have stopped uh, like the met you know yes. or they have really stopped anything to help their musicians and i think given the circumstances and our budget i think that's really for our team it's really be in our mind all the time and it still is on our mind all the time and we wish that we could do much better and much more but uh, you know we we do with what we've got right and and the biggest thing is that we have to devote much of our energy into making sure next season is a success mm-hmm. because that's the true solution to the crisis that happened to these musicians. I mean, the rug got pulled out from under them. In terms of doing just that, making the new season a success, how did you approach designing what we'll experience? Actually, you know, the program we had for this past season is fantastic. And that's the program we will be using for next season. You know, we were hoping to uh, celebrate Beethoven's <laughs> birthday, <laughs> you know, but so it's just postponed. It's going to be uh, slightly later, but uh, and we will keep the same program because there is, uh, for the Masterworks, there is an old Beethoven concert for his birthday. And there is also an old Tchaikovsky concert, which I think is going to be very appropriate given the circumstances for all of us to let go of emotions, you know, because we have all experienced uh, very, very extreme emotions. And Tchaikovsky really allows you to let go of it. And also what, what is in our mind is when will we be safe to perform again together? So that's a big consideration for us uh, to decide when should be the first concert and the next one in terms of when is the audience going to feel comfortable to come and when are they going to reopen? Right. Our first concert is October 24th. And we're hoping that that gives us enough time that people are vaccinated and comfortable coming into public places. And it's going to be a great first concert. We're breaking our own rules by beginning with a Pops concert. It's our 50th anniversary next year. And so we decided to start with a concert that would just bring our community together. It's called Music of the Nights, and it's K-N-I-G-H-T. And it will feature the music of Sir Elton John, Sir Paul McCartney, and Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber. And it's a program that has been produced by the same people that did our Aretha concert. So we know it's going to be really energizing and great. And there's music for everyone. 
on those three nights. And so we're going to have a reception afterwards, and we're just going to start the season off with a bang. And it's going to be at the Kirby Center. And we hope that the community will want to come to celebrate uh, live music again. Yeah, it was so apparent at the First Presbyterian Church when we had the chamber concert last week that people are craving live music. They really want to go out. It's a different experience than hearing it on the radio or live stream. When you have been working to get the musicians on Zoom and to keep the music coming to us that way, Melis, have you been able to make any music yourself in any way or have you been teaching? And we know you have some news to report, maybe if you wouldn't mind, about where you'll be now. Yeah, I have been very busy. I'm very lucky because of all of those projects. For me, it was learning new skills and took a lot of time. I really enjoyed doing those videos because I could listen to and see each musician spending so many hours working on their recordings. So I have the feeling I know them much better. And also during the interviews I did with them, it allowed me to know more about them, which was really interesting. I, I discovered a lot of things. So that was uh, a great experience and also very healing for me because, you know, we all felt a bit lonely. And to have those opportunities to connect uh, with the musicians was great. I've been teaching, you know, because I really love academia. To, to me, uh, performance and academia are very, very important. And so I've been teaching at university, Appalachian State University, and uh, it's been very busy because of the situation. We had a lot of rules and basically doing a normal job would take three times more than usual. <laughs> yeah, and the big news, uh, thanks for mentioning it, is, uh, yeah, I've just been named uh, the new director of orchestral activities at the University of Iowa. So this is really exciting, a new step. So I will be conducting the orchestras in a symphonic, lyric, musical theater uh, repertoire and also teaching uh, conducting, orchestral conducting to masters and doctorate students. I, I just like to say that for those listeners who don't know, the University of Iowa has an exceptional music program. And I'm sure the competition was really stiff. And so we're particularly proud of Melise, and we're very happy to report that she's still going to be our music director and nothing changes here. Oh, yeah. So many of us breathing a sigh of relief. <laughs> <laughs> so what is next for us as lovers of music presented by the Northeastern Pennsylvania Philharmonic? Well, we will have music every month, and we will start with a chamber concert in September. Then we will have the Pops concert that I told you about in October, another chamber concert in November, the holiday concert in both Scranton and Wilkes-Barre in December, a January chamber concert, a March Masterworks concert, an April Pops concert, a May Masterworks, and a May chamber concert. You're not easing back in. Yeah, back when we were experiencing a lot of financial trouble and we just paused to take a breath, we had a five-year strategic plan, and part of the plan was adding a concert. And so we've added the concert, and we're sticking to the plan. And, and we even have a concert this coming Saturday. <laughs> Tell us. Uh, yeah, this is really exciting. That's the first time we will have a bigger group of musicians. And it's uh, in partnership with the Ballet Theatre of Scranton. And actually, Joanna Arduino created that opportunity for us, which is absolutely fantastic to collaborate. So it will be dancers and 11 musicians. 
and will be performing the ballet Les Sylphides on the music by Chopin. The experience of dancers which they had with you and the Nutcracker, do you all get to breathing together? Is that how it works? Yes, you know, it's a lot of breathing and feeling things together because the dancing is very physical and there are certain jumps or certain motions that you can do only in a certain amount of time. So the timing and right tempo are very important and it depends also on the weather or in which shape they are on that day. Are they feeling well or not well? So you really need, like opera, you need to feel the singers in opera and what kind of day it is for them, but for dancers it's the same. You need to feel them, how they breathe, and also, you know, create something together. Uh, yeah, and this is going to be an outdoors concert, very nice in a park. Yes, yeah, it's in Covington Park, outside of Scranton, and the atmosphere will be much like it is at Tanglewood, where there's blankets and lawn chairs, except the difference will be social distancing and mask wearing. But people are encouraged to bring uh, some snacks, and just enjoy the experience, like I said, like Tanglewood. And it's very kids-friendly. Yes, yeah. Where are we taken when we hear Sylphide? We think of Sylphs, some wonderful enchanted land or space. Yes, uh, a kind of daydreaming atmosphere f full of just beauty, you know. Uh, <laughs> an image comes to me right now in Ice Age, you know, very Scratch, the little little animal. I don't remember what's his, I think it's Scratch, his name. Scratch, the saber-toothed squirrel, right? Yes, yes. And because in Paradise, where he has food all, and it's like daydreaming. And it's like uh, in, in a place that everybody wishes they could be forever. And it's just full of beauty. So I hope that uh, people are going to come to concert on Saturday because, you know, it's outside and you can enjoy some food with your friends, listen to great music. And that feeling, again, of being together for arts is, I think everybody is missing it so deeply. Melisse Brunet, music director and conductor of the Northeastern Pennsylvania Philharmonic, and Nancy Sanderson, executive director of the orchestra, speaking with us about the Philharmonic and the pandemic in anticipation of Ballet by the Beach this Saturday, May 8th at 5 p.m. It's a partnership bringing together Ballet Theater of Scranton, the Northeastern Pennsylvania Philharmonic, and the Lackawanna County Arts and Culture Department. Music of Les Feed and highlights from Don Quixote and Carmen, and it's free. It's in Covington Park, just outside Scranton. It's Winship Road in Moscow, Saturday, May 8th at 5 p.m. with a rain date, Sunday, May 9th, and the performance is free. For more information on the web, nepaphil.org, nepaphil.org, or balletscranton.org, balletscranton.org, Ballet by the Beach, May 8th, this Saturday at 5 p.m. Musicians of the Northeastern Pennsylvania Philharmonic under the direction of Melis Brunet in a free concert 
with Ballet Theatre of Scranton. The dancers will present Les Feed, highlights from Don Quixote and Carmen, and you can enjoy the safe, COVID-distant atmosphere with friends and family at Covington Park, May 8th at 5. Again, admission is free. NEPAPhil.org or Ballet Scranton dot org.